1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point featuring Kayla Mortallaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Hour number two of Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. It's Thursday. It's February 22nd. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until 1 o'clock today, as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Let's reset the scene with today's poll questions and get things started with the KDOS1060.com poll question. Both questions regarding the NBA today. And if you missed Bob's conversation with Mo DeKeel of The Athletic, you can always podcast our shows and conversations over at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS1060 app. As it is for the question, though, here we go. Are the Suns 2024 NBA title contenders? Yes is now leading the way at 49% of the vote. No trailing at 41%. A question that we'll officially provide our answer to around 1230 today. Tossing this on over to X at KDOS AM 1060. Do the Celtics end their recently elusive NBA championship dry spell this season? And now the masses are on the no side of things here significantly at 80% of the vote. Yes is trailing at 20%. Also answered today around 1230. If you'd like to chime in, feel free to do so. We'll take your calls around 1215 today. 602-260-1060 is the number. Uh, Before we get into the college hoops conversation and specifically U of A taking on WSU, just wanted to wrap up what we were doing from hour number one, which included uh, going through the 32 teams uh, and their offseason needs, the list Uh, derived from the athletic and uh, us kind of pontificating off of that Uh, we left off though with the Pittsburgh Steelers so now we're on to the 49ers and for them here listed as defensive end Nick Bosa under contract but then uh, your pass rushers Chase Young, Kleenan Farrell and Randy Gregory are all unrestricted free agents here you could maybe also state offensive line too because McKivitz uh, gave up nine sacks last year just the whole right side of the offensive line uh, as we pontificate away here Um, word of the day pontificate Um, yeah I think uh, I would actually opt for offensive line before I would uh, for his pass rush we talked about that before the Super Bowl and you know, that that could be a big problem for them in the Super Bowl and how it was a big problem for them from time to time or maybe more than from time to time during the regular season. And that certainly came back to bite them. Um, you know, third down and goal on uh, the uh, last uh, offensive, offensive possession of the season as it turned out to be for San Francisco. Then the Seattle Seahawks, for them, linebacker. Bobby Wagner has likely played his final snap with the Seattle Seahawks. Jordan Brooks is set to be a free agent with new head coach Mike McDonald. Would he maybe want to try to bring in Patrick Queen, who's an unrestricted free agent from the Ravens? Yeah, I think that that's – you can name a whole bunch of positions for the Seahawks also, though. I think they're that, – that, that, this seems to be the right choice. 
but it would not be difficult to argue offensive line. Uh, you know, maybe an edge rusher in addition to linebacker. They've got a lot of needs, and you know they uh, you know, they surprise many that uh, with their surprise with their good season and playoff season in 2022. And then I assume they disappointed nearly everybody with their 2023 season. Then the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they have listed here as Ed Ru- edge rusher. Will Shaq Barrett get cut? Some young players, but they need to find ways to get more pressure. Also, though, I think it's important to note that you have free agents Baker Mayfield. Uh, you have free agents Mike Evans, Levante David, Devin White, and Antoine Winfield Jr. So you have a lot of different questions on this team. Yeah, I think that Winfield is by far the most important player of those guys you just mentioned there. Uh, I would assume they're just going to franchise tag him and then figure out what to do with everybody else. That would seem to make the most sense. Um, Then we have the Tennessee Titans offensive line. Left tackle has been a disaster here. Bill Callahan, he is going to have his work cut out for him as the offensive line coach. Yeah, I think this is another one that's uh, inarguable. I'm not keeping score here, but it sure seems like we're talking a lot about uh, defensive backs and the offensive line issues for a lot of these teams. And finally, the Washington Commanders offensive line for them. They allowed 65 sacks last season. Uh, Not sure many of the players on the offensive line will make the roster next year. And also, I can go back to defensive back because I don't know if there's a team in the NFL that had a worse secondary collectively than the Washington Commanders. So that concludes that list here uh, in the extra point uh, derived from the athletic. Let's transition, though, to the world of college basketball. And it's a big Pac-12 game tonight for Washington State, which is ranked number 21, and Arizona hosting ranked number four. It's 9 p.m. start over on FS1. Uh, this is also kind of interesting, though, for for WSU in that uh, they are now ranked, which ends a 302-week unranked streak dating back to 2008. And that was the last year that they made the NCAA tournament from 2008 to now happens to be the second longest drought among power conference schools not being a part of the NCAA tournament. I'm guessing Nebraska is number one in that list. I don't know that for sure. I'm just throwing out that name. I think it's Nebraska. Anyway, uh, this is the only thing that could qualify as a big game in the Pac-12 anymore because these are the only two decent teams in the Pac-12. They're playing for first place. If Washington State wins, uh, they're in first place. They already beat the U of A in, uh, in Pullman. They beat the U of A in Tucson last season. Uh, the U of A has not lost a home game since then. They've won all 13 home games this year. And uh, in spite of the fact that this is a first-place battle between the two best teams in the conference, the U of A 13-point home favorite in this game tonight. I do also want to take a a moment here to highlight Washington State's Miles Rice. He leads WSU with 15.9 points per game, 3.7 assists, and 1.7 steals. But uh, he's he's awesome because after redshirting his first year, Rice was ready to join the rotation there only to find out that he was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. So he missed last season undergoing twice-a-month chemo from October to March. And then in June, he found out that his cancer was in remission. So that is awesome stuff for him. And then to rejoin the team and have the impact that he is, Great, great all around for Miles Rice. 
Absolutely, no question. And uh, you know, he's a big part of their team. And you know, they like the one thing to watch in this game tonight is uh, any Washington State game, let alone going against the U of A. The U of A wants to play fast. Washington State, they're, they're one of the slowest tempo teams in the in the, in the college basketball. In fact, uh, they're in the high 200s out of like 350 teams. Uh, they don't if they don't want to run up and down the floor uh, with the U of A. They also made the U of A play defense the first time they played, and that did not work out for the U of A because contrary to the Ken Palm rankings and everybody else in the free world, apparently the U of A does not play particularly good defense, especially in the perimeter. And the first time they played, Isaac Jones destroyed the U of A, another perimeter player. He had 24 points in that first meeting, and he's averaging 16 points per game over the entire season. So it wasn't one game where he just showed up. Uh, so can U of A guard him? Uh, is it a, you know, if it's a, you know, a fast-paced, up-and-down game, that certainly favors the U of A. If uh, you know, Washington State can get some stops and play their preferred style, uh, it's going to be a closer game than 13. And uh, – yeah, for the record, I'm on uh, the. I have Washington State plus 13, and I'm looking for if it goes higher, uh, I'll I'll bet more. Uh, you had mentioned it, the U of A leading the Pac-12 rankings at 11 and three, but WSU with a win can find themselves in first place there at 11 and four. Oregon sitting at nine and five, UCLA nine and six, Colorado now eight and seven, Utah seven and eight, ASU seven and eight, Stanford seven and eight, and Cal seven and eight. So quite a collection there of teams at seven and eight. Speaking of ASU men's basketball, they're hosting Washington tonight, 7 p.m. on ESPN two. This game's just a complete waste of time. Uh, you know, they're two really bad teams in a really bad conference. Uh, it's on ESPN2. I'm sure they're pretty disgusted that uh, FS1, but it's their fault because, you know, there's some, some kind of pecking order here. Uh, but FS1 actually has the U of A Washington State game, and ESPN2 is stuck with ASU and Washington. And if I didn't have to watch ASU in Washington, I would find almost anything else in the world to do than watch these two teams play each other. Uh, when it comes to games from last night, how about Penn State beating number 12 ranked Illinois 90 to 89? And it was because of a, oh, it wasn't great basketball, right? Uh, Illinois fouls. It was, Zach a cho it, they, it was a choke festival. They got outscored 13 to 2 to end the game. 13-2 to, to end the game. They lost a 14-point second-half uh, second lead. Yeah. Illinois uh, fouled Zach Hicks on a three with just seconds to go. Hicks makes all three of his three throws, and that's how uh, Illinois goes – or, I'm sorry, Penn State goes on to win 90-89. to 89. Illinois does not have a point guard. We talked about that, uh, when that whenever Illinois come, back, come up. I've mentioned this. They have really good talent. But they don't have a point guard, and the lack of a point guard killed them in this game last night, and that was a big reason why they lost. I would like to say that I watched this whole game, but when they were down like 13, I quit watching it and didn't even know they'd lost until like an hour later. Huh. LSU then goes on to top Kentucky, number 17 ranked Kentucky, 75-74. Kentucky's Adu Thoreau blocked the shot with just a few seconds to go, but then the loose ball ended up in Terrell Ward's hands, and he put up a floater as time expired. So LSU walking off with the victory. 
Just when we think Kentucky might have figured it out with their tremendous win and impressive performance last Saturday at previously undefeated at home Auburn, then they throw in this clunker. Uh, so we'll see what happens on Saturday because uh, you know, Kentucky plays at home against Alabama, and Alabama won the best game of the night by far last night. Uh, a overtime game of which it was a you know, must-see TV if you're a college basketball fan, and that's you know, the game I went back to and quit watching any of the Penn State game, the Penn State-Illinois game. And uh, Alabama, is uh, they're very good. Florida is really getting my attention, though. They were a team – that couldn't make a shot for basically until the new year. They, they were terrible offensively in November and December. They're also the best offensive rebounding team in college basketball, but that's a little skewed because they missed so many damn shots that they have to get a lot of offensive rebounds, even if you're just mediocre as far as rebounders. Uh, but they've gotten better offensively. Their guards have definitely gotten better so if you watch like Florida in the month of November and December, you need to rewatch Florida and come up with a new opinion to them before we get to March. Another ranked team went down. Number 16, Dayton, lost to George Mason, 71-67, to and it was the first home victory over a ranked opponent in program history for George Mason. Yeah, this is highly disappointing to me because I was just hoping that Dayton would win out and get a really high seed and then be really highly thought of by the general public, and then I would pounce against them and bet against them and the first decent opponent they faced in the NCAA tournament. I might still do that, but uh, this just completely destroys the value in that. Uh, so, uh, that I'm, like I said, uh, disappointed is a kind word for me uh, you know, when I saw the result of this game. I didn't even watch this. I quit watching Dayton games weeks ago because they – their competition level sucks, and I just assume they weren't going to they weren't going to lose any more regular season games. Well, how about we end the segment on a team that took care of business? That was Duke beating Miami, eighty-four to fifty-five, uh, and Miami was part of our conversations yesterday as being uh, one of the most disappointing teams on the season. Well, now they got a whole bunch of guys hurt, so they're just they're completely done. I mean, they're they're not even. Yeah, they're not even anywhere near even a decent victory anymore. They literally have like five guys out now. And they only have like a team that's like six or seven deep. Almost everybody's hurt. Uh, they weren't. They were highly disappointing when they were all healthy. Uh, so now it's just you know, it, you know, there's no reason to watch Miami play really for the rest of the season because it appears some of these guys are not coming back at any point of this season. The most important thing I thought that happened in college basketball last night was the Colorado State-New Mexico game, uh, which New Mexico won at the buzzer. Uh, wild game, similar to the LSU and Kentucky game. Uh, but New Mexico, you know, basically they blew a big lead, and uh, New Mexico ended up winning the game at the, on the last-second shot when uh, they had uh, uh, their point guard basically just kind of beelined it from one dent. Uh, they, he went from one end of the floor to the uh, – to the other and got a layup out of the thing, basically. Isaiah Stevens, though, for Colorado State, this guy's going to be in the NBA, and he's going to be a really good NBA player. He's, a, I think, the best player in a very good conference, the Mountain West. Uh, he scored 11 out of his 20 points in the final eight minutes of this game and basically held them, uh, led them, I should say, to a rally and gave them a really good chance to win the game. 
Uh, you know, New Mexico, you know, they had lost a couple of home games. Now they they've won three games this season against top twenty-five teams, all in the Mountain West Conference games. Uh, but uh, you know, good game, good win for New Mexico. This is a really good conference. I'm just trying to figure out if any of these teams can really get past the Sweet 16 because I don't think that they have an elite team. And I don't think anybody said last year at this time that San Diego State was going to be in the Final Four or the championship game of college basketball. And remember before last year, the Mountain West had a, like, not exaggerating here, a zero for like three or four years stretch of not winning any games in the NCAA tournament. And now look at them go. Yeah, but uh, I'm also just – my 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 apprehension of them, how they're going to do in the NCAA tournament, is based on I think they've got some really good teams, uh, but I don't know if they have a really elite team that can win more than a game or two in the NCAA tournament. Stevens, though, makes Colorado State the team I think I believe the most in. Utah State's pretty good, too. I need to assess them a little more. I'm not believing in San Diego State. I'm not believing in New Mexico for sure. And I'm not believing in Nevada at all. 602-260-1060 is the number if you'd like to chime in. We'll take your calls now and talk to you on the other side of the break. It is the Extra Point right here on KDUS AM 1060. downloaded the KDUS AM 1060 skill for Alexa yet? Dude, Alexa is frustrated. No matter how many times do you ask, the answer is male chicken. Once you're ready, say Alexa, open KDUS AM 1060 to listen to your favorite shows. Point right here on KDUS AM 1060. It's Thursday. It's February 22nd. Bob Kim, Kendall Mortolaro here with you up until one o'clock today. Yesterday we had discussed 15 NFL veteran cut candidates heading into free agency, but we only made it through six of them. So I thought we could pick up where we left off yesterday and continue on with uh, some of the veterans that could be on the chopping block here when the league year gets started. So just briefly reminding you of who we discussed yesterday. It was Broncos quarterback Russell Wilson, Browns running back Nick Chubb, Raiders quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo, and then the Chargers here listing uh, wide receiver Mike Williams as well as pass rushers Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack. Moving into today's conversation, and this one probably is of no surprise to anyone uh, with left tackle David Bakhtiari. There is one year left on his deal with the Packers. Uh, 2024 dead money is $19 million, but plenty of knee injuries have limited him to just 13 game appearances in three years, and his replacement turned out to be pretty darn good this year. That would be true. Uh, no question about that. So we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, pretty much, uh, you know, the, the Bakhtiari, uh, I guess, to the Jets thing is out there. If you go back to the last hour, maybe we sh- I should have mentioned that at that point. That seems to be a, I don't know, is that a foregone conclusion or just speculation at this point? Um, 
Has Aaron Rodgers gotten to the point where, uh, you know, what Aaron Rodgers wants is what Aaron Rodgers gets? Because he did find oh, a way to yes. get Randall Cobb. So I would say That's yes. That's exactly right. <laughs> and also the, the wide receiver from Iowa State who was inactive for almost the entire second half of the season for you know, to play with the Packers, too. Another one of his buddies. Correct. Uh, so I could see that definitely yeah. happening. But, oh, hey, yeah. if, if Bakhtiari has anything left in the tank, if any of these knee injuries, uh, you know, aren't going to limit to him next year, that would be a huge upgrade for them. Uh, it's just whether or not he is healthy enough to really, really play and really contribute. Yeah, I don't think they know. I mean, I don't think he knows. I don't think anybody knows until we – but it's, you know, give it a whirl, and I assume it would be – a an incentive-laden contract based on games played, I would assume. If not, uh, the Jets are screwing up again. Uh, the Saints running back, Alvin Kamara. Years left on the contract is two. 2024 dead money is $17.2 million. But, you know, here's another year where we're talking about the Saints and having cap issues. Uh, maybe they figure out a way, though, to figure it out, and he stays. Yeah, I think it's really difficult to kind of evaluate him last year because the offensive line was so bad. I mean, at times he looked really good. Uh, he looked better than he did the year before when he you know missed a lot of the offseason because of his situation with the law and whether he was going to play or not. Uh, everybody assumed he was going to get suspended and, you know, all that scenario. Uh, but when he I, you know, he looked faster last year, I'm just doing the eye test here. I'm not doing any next gen stats or any of those things. Uh, but he looked healthier and better last year than he did the you know, pro probably the last the previous couple of years. Eagles linebacker Hassan Reddick. He has one year left on his contract. 2024 dead money at 20.6 million. Uh, will the Eagles go with some younger options on the roster at this position? Also factoring in here, new defensive coordinator Vic Fangio has arrived. Well, and apparently ESPN completely misreported this on Super Bowl Sunday, right? That was Super Bowl Sunday, I think it was, when they basically reported that he demanded a trade and wanted out. Uh, and Reddick has publicly said since then that that's not what he said or not what he wants to do and et cetera. Um, now, this is actually a guy, I think when the Cardinals are mentioned with free agents, I just laugh and think to myself, why would anybody want to come here? Uh, but if he likes living here because he lived here before, obviously it wasn't the best experience football-wise, but they completely mismanaged him when he was here as a player. If uh, maybe he likes to, you know, likes the valley, I get that. We all live here for a reason. At least I do. I had a choice to come back to Arizona, and here I am. Uh, so that I can buy. Now, he's one guy, if he was mentioned in connection with the Cardinals, I would actually think that's a possibility. Yeah, and, I mean, if he had a great relationship with Jonathan Gannon, it's obviously a whole new, a whole new group of people that would be his coaches. And arguably, not even arguably, I don't think there's an argument here. He played better when Gannon was the defensive coordinator than what with the, the mess that was there last year. That is 100% true. Uh, the Seahawks wide receiver Tyler Lockett, years left on his contract, two, 2024 huh. dead money at $19.8 million. Uh, he is, uh, you know, I would have to think a restructured deal is most likely what the Hawks would want here. I don't know if Tyler Lockett wants that, but uh, the Cardinals would certainly be happy if Tyler Lockett wasn't a Seahawk. <laughs> They would just get him out of the NFL. Go play in like the USFL or wherever the hell they're calling that new league. 
go play somewhere else because he you know, doesn't matter whether it was with Russell Wilson or even last year, the final game of the regular season. Uh, there have been few players, if any, in the last 10 years that have destroyed the Cardinals in more key situations than Tyler Lockett. Then we have the Packers linebacker Devondre Campbell. There are three years left on his contract, 2024. Another ex-Cardinal here, too. Yes. Uh, 2024 dead money, $11.6 million for him. I'm just curious if this is all relative to the new defensive coordinator coming in. Yeah, I think there's also questions of whether he's just got anything left in the tank. I mean, he's gone through he's gone through a lot of snaps. He's had lots of injuries. Uh, I would not advocate the Cardinals going back and trying to get Devondre Campbell, even though that's an area of need, certainly, uh, for the Cardinals because it's a defensive position and he's not a safety. So, or, you know, the other the other nine spots, the Cardinals should try to upgrade. Uh, but, uh, you know, he looked, uh, I wonder if there's, uh, I can't imagine there's a high volume of demand for him because of the reasons I just stated. Uh, then you have Dolphins corner, Xavier Howard, years left on his contract, three, 2024 dead money at $23.1 million. Will he be willing to take a pay cut? Yeah, I don't know if we know how good he is anymore either because, you know, it's a position that depends on athleticism and so forth, and he's missed a whole bunch of time in the last couple of years. Then we have Raiders wide receiver Hunter Renfro. He has one year left on his deal, 2024 dead money, $5.5 million. He was, you know, at least rumor-wise trying to be shopped before the trade deadline in 2023. I can't imagine that there's almost – I can't imagine there's hardly any interest in him uh, as a, just to be a third receiver. Uh, most, you know, there are so many wide receivers in this draft. I saw a top 100 list at the athletic of the top 100 draft, you know, just a draft board, not where they're going to land and so forth. 19 of the top 100 guys in that list were wide receivers. So if I'm a team looking for a wide receiver, uh, I'm going to you know, venture into the draft far more than I am into our Hunter Renfro, who I've never really thought was going to be a particularly good player after he left Clemson. Uh, good college player. He's been a much better NFL player than I anticipated, but I can't imagine there's like a bidding war or there's a lot of teams, quite frankly, that are interested in him. Seahawks safety Jamal Adams. There's two years left on his deal. 2024 dead money, $20.8 million. But he's finished three of the last four years with Seattle on the injured reserve. And he's just not any good. I mean, I'm sorry. I didn't think he was good with the Jets. Um, you know, he's a safety and he can't cover anybody. Uh, he's more of like an inside linebacker type of guy. If somebody wanted to make him an inside linebacker, they would have a much better chance of success. And like I said, I've never really thought at any time of his NFL career, he's more than just a mediocre player at best. Eagles defensive back, Kevin Byard, uh, years left on his deal. One 2024 dead money, 1.4 million, uh, new defensive coordinator, Vic Fangio will changes be made overall on that defense. I don't think it really matters. You know, Byard got traded, uh, from Tennessee last year. Thought that might help the Eagles secondary. He played poorly. Uh, and, uh, you kind of wonder whether he's, I think it's safe to say that he's certainly seen his better days with which he was a former, you know, elite safety. Uh, he's, uh, is he even a starting safety in the NFL now? I think that's a legitimate question. 
Before we get out of this segment here, I want to stick with football, but transition into college football. We had mentioned yesterday that the 12-team model, the commissioners here had finally come to a consensus that it's going to be a 5-plus-7 model for the 12-team playoff. Well, unfortunately for all of us, we get to kind of try to figure out what they're up to next because that's apparently just what's on the docket for 2024 and 2025. Yesterday, the college football commissioners had meetings in Dallas and they discussed the possibility of expanding the field when the new rights begin in 2026 from 12 to 14 or 16. Early conversations uh, presumably would have a 14-team model, have two first-round buys. A 16-team model would have no buys here. But what's also kind of interesting from the commissioner side of things and why certain commissioners are really pushing for this expansion helps the conferences that have grown in size, you know, like the Big Ten, the SEC, uh, but also here the Big Ten and the SEC have had more college football playoff appearances than any other conference. So they want to try to continue to protect that for themselves moving forward. But from a player side of things, can college athletes continue to play this amount of games? Also, we knew from, I think it's been a couple of weeks ago now, ESPN agreed to a six-year extension worth $1.3 billion a year to continue to be the home for these playoff games. But that was all based upon 12 teams. It was not based upon 16. So what's the incentive for ESPN to go back to the drawing board to uh, shell out more money for these rights? Also, um, again, are you really going to compete against the NFL? Because the NFL owns Saturdays and Sundays in, in December and January. Yeah, I don't understand any of this, quite frankly. I'm the wrong person to even converse about this. Uh, just let me know when they're playing and uh, you know, let me know. What they're, you know I'll, 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 whenever this starts, I won't even pay attention to any of the, you know, I think we've learned that the, the, the biggest sham in sports, the college football, is this stupid, you know, the, 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 the playoff model and the rankings that they have the first week of November on. I've been arguing this since it started. It doesn't mean a damn thing. Just have one week. You don't need this ESPN production for one hour every Thursday with the updated rank or Tuesday, I guess that was, right? Tuesdays, the updated rankings. Who cares? It doesn't matter. Just get to the final thing. Just do the final you know, one ranking and then let us know who's playing when, and then I'll pay attention. And that was that should be everybody's opinion. Nobody should give a damn what the playoff rankings are a month before they actually announce the actual pairings and rankings. Nobody should care. And we've got ton, ten years now, roughly, of historical evidence that it makes no difference what happens the first four weeks. Uh, you know, I'll just kind of go back to to my, I guess, outrage with this. Outrage might be a little bit too strong of a word here, but everything just seems so backward about how they're they're going about this process here. So we they really pushed pushed things forward with the 12 team playoff. Uh, we have it all set for 2024, 2025, and then they're really seemingly pushing forward for more teams when we haven't even seen how the 12 team thing is going to work out. So it, it just plus then you have the the TV rights deal going before you have how many teams are actually going to be playing. It just seems like uh, creating a mess here for no particular reason. And I'm not really sure what the 
benefit is uh, if they think it's going to result in more money uh, because you have increased competition with the NFL, like I said, and ESPN has already said what their rights are going to be. So I I don't know if they're going to be able to go back and get more money from ESPN or if that's going to open up uh, other other potential media rights players. But it's just kind of unfortunate. Just the whole thing is unfortunate with college football right now. It's a joke. Um, you know, people complained in the last 10 years about the semifinal games not any good. There are going to be far more bad football games in the expanded playoffs than there were previously. On the other side of the break, we simmer down a little bit and we dive into the we NBA. Do? Oh, well, maybe not. Maybe maybe blood will still no. be boiling. We'll see. I, I, I have water in my hand right now. I'm going to simmer down. Okay. Um, we'll simmer down. We'll get into the poll questions over on KDOS1060.com as well as with the X poll question at KDOS AM1060, both NBA related. So we'll do that here in the Extra Point next. Teams Out West brings NFL, NBA, MLB, and local sports talk to you Monday night starting at 7 on KDOS AM1060 and the KDOS 1060 app. February 22nd. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you. If you missed Bob's conversation with Mo DeKeel priming us for the stretch run in the NBA, podcast it over at KDOS1060.com or with the KDOS1060 app. Uh, all things NFL conversation. But here we go for the KDOS1060.com poll question. Uh, are the Suns 2024 NBA title contenders? And I asked Mo this question, and uh, we're in agreement, which is not going to please Suns fans, but that's the way it goes. The Suns at this point are pretty much what I thought they were going to be back in July. They're really good offensively. I've taken some notes here. They're third league-wide in field goal percentage. That doesn't surprise anybody. They're awful defensively. That doesn't surprise anybody. They're the worst team in the NBA in fourth-quarter defense. They're average at best at rebounding, 17th. And they have close to no bench. They're 29th in bench scoring out of 30 teams in the NBA. That's pretty much exactly what I thought before the season started as you know, back in July. What I didn't count on is that they lead the league in most losses when leading at the start of the fourth quarter. I did not count on to their absurd turnover rate. They're 26th in the league in turnovers per game. Uh, there, there has been one second this season, not one second, that I thought the Suns are actually an NBA title contender in 2024. Uh, Royce O'Neal, I think, is a nice addition. But there was not one single solitary player. There were 39 players traded on deadline day. None of those, zero, or any of the opt-outs since, or you know, bought-out contracts or additions since. Nobody in that whole group in this month is going to turn around in the NBA team this season and make them a championship contender, and that includes O'Neal and the Suns. 
So, yeah, uh, they are going to have to get some defensive production here from Royce O'Neal, see if there's anything left in the tank here from Thaddeus Young and what he can provide. But I think you've definitely hit the nail on the head that uh, they really need to solve these fourth quarter woes. Uh, You have to uh, you, you have to close out games. You have to have strong closing fourth quarters when you have some leads. Uh, and I think that does have something to do with with the bench. So maybe they can uh, see how Royce O'Neal uh, I- improves any of that, if Thaddeus Young can improve any of that. I would say, though, that when you're just looking in the West, there does seem to be some pretty strong competition that has things a little bit more figured out and a little bit more buttoned up. Uh, over in the East, things seem to be a little bit more wide open, but they're in the West here. So it comes down to what are we considering to be true contenders? I think at this point, I have been pretty fair, I think, in trying to say, let's give it time to see how it's going to play out. Now I want to give it a few games here to see how Royce O'Neal and if Thaddeus Young provides anything here for this team and see if they can improve these fourth quarter numbers if maybe there is a sudden surge in understanding uh, defensive concepts and playing some defense. So I will lean in the direction of no, but I'm not ready yet to say that. So I'm going to hover in the middle with a yes. Okay, I get that uh, to some extent. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I didn't even include point guard. And that's another one of the reasons they suck in the fourth quarter is because they can't run an offense. Now, the masses here, I think we have um, a little bit of a miscalculation because it's not adding up to 100. So we'll have to figure this out. But yes, yes. is out in front at 49% of the vote. No trailing at 41%. So we'll figure that out and try to yes. get things to tally 100% wow. of the vote. <laughs> I actually am. I'm not exactly Mr. Math, but I figured that out three hours ago when I saw that I heard the first numbers. They've, they haven't added up to 100% at any point this morning or this afternoon in this case. Great. I'm going to have to go in uh, on the back end and see what we can find out. Over on X at KDOS AM 1060, do the Celtics end their recently elusive NBA championship dry spell this season? They seem to be the best team in basketball here, but I wouldn't sleep on the Nuggets. I wouldn't sleep on uh, the Clippers. So they're certainly, I think they're they're the best team in the East here. So now when it comes down to playing in the NBA championship, do they have enough to get over those two particular teams? Uh, the Celtics moves, though, before the trade deadline, I think really gave them some much-needed depth here. Um, but then it comes down to me and some of the things that were questionable last season in the postseason do we trust Joe Missoula as the head coach do we trust him to make the right moves at the right time uh so those are some question marks here I'm gonna go I'm gonna go no okay that's the easy answer and I get it I mean it's also the mathematical answer right so basically I'm taking the Celtics against the rest of the field here (laughs) but I'm gonna take the Celtics uh to me the Eastern Conference is not good uh, I think that they're going to blow through the East. The Cavs, I think, are just too inexperienced. The Bucks, much like the Suns, are inept at the defensive end of the floor. The Knicks and the Sixers have a lot of key injuries to you know their big-time players. Uh, I think the Celtics take care of business. I think they cruise through the East, and then they play the winner of the West, and I think the West could be a bloodbath. Uh, whoever comes out of the West, is there, are they going to have anything left in the tank? You mentioned Joe, Joe Mazzula. 
Uh, that's something I brought up with Mo DeKeel from The Athletic when we had Mo on during the sports zone today. And I asked him, uh, did Missoula learn from his playoff performance last year, which was awful? Uh, did he learn? And, and I thought Mo had a great answer and said, we're not going to know the answer to that question until the playoffs. So we got to wait till the playoffs about the Missoula factor here. But I clearly the Celtics are the best team. And, you know, it would be nice if we could just put the Celtics against the Nuggets in the finals and just start the playoffs then. But, uh, you know, they're going to – that's three months of revenue or whatever, however long it takes to get through the play-in round and everything else seems like three months. It's like two months, but whatever. Uh, but, uh, you know, we'll find out about Missoula, but we're not going to – I think Mo is 100% correct – uh, we're not going to have any idea until he has to make a move at the end of a close playoff game, of which he failed miserably at, even when they won the series against the Sixers. Uh, he screwed that series up and tried to lose that one. Uh, but uh, you know, he, he's, he was absolutely terrible. I thought he should have been fired at the end of the year last year. He was so bad. I think you and a lot of people had that assessment, so it was a little. That would be true. <laughs> I, I was a long a line from here to Boston. <laughs> so, yes, and probably and back. Wrapping that, around all of that. Cape Cod and everything. Exactly. A hundred percent. No doubt. Cape Cod's a nice place, by the way. Yes, it is. Uh, no, out in front here at 80% of the vote. Yes, sitting at 20%. This is over on X at KDOS AM 1060. Well, I want to go to Cape Cod and visit Carly Simon. I'd like to, it's like to meet her someday just to say hi and say that I think she's great. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, always seeing like she, she lives there. <laughs> always seeing pictures and everything. Uh, I want to go back in like October to experience the fall, yeah. like like actually having fall and the she, leaves and the changes. And for yep, you, Carly yep. Simon, she did a tremendous concert from uh, Martha's Vineyard. Uh, mm -hmm. That's you know video or whatever you can watch that. So if you're into Carly Simon. There's a you're the the one the old and she doesn't do concerts very often. That was a tremendous concert video. Can I sell you on some the, lobster though too, Bob? It's right on the in the on the water there too. I, maybe. Okay. How more, about some clam chowder? Salmon, salmon guy. My dad was a clam chowder guy. I never got into that. Listener rewards for you with the KQS 1060 app. Download today to hear all of the national and local shows you love. That's the KTUS 1060 app. On KDOS AM 1060, it's that time once again, though, Bob. It is thank you time. As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever, and whatever else slipped to the cracks. Also, our guest today around the NBA with Mo DeKeel from The Athletic. And Mo made the uh, a large professional mistake on his part by saying any time when I uh, said we'll get back to you. <laughs> so we will bother him throughout the, the postseason, uh, no doubt. Always good talking with Mo. He's great. Uh, also, sound day, actually tomorrow, by the way, at 10.15, we'll talk NFL with Eric Edholm from NFL Media. Perfect timing to have, talk to Eric because the Combine 
The NFL Scouting Combine is next week. Uh, Sound Day courtesy of 3TV, ESPN, NBC Sports Boston, Pac-12 Networks, and also FS1. Special thanks, as always, to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. And Kayla's going to tell us what's coming up next. That's right. Up next from... Uh, 1, 2, 3 p.m. It is the Doug Gottlieb Show, followed by the Rich Eisen Show from 3 to 5, the Sports Who with Dave Rooster Bierstein from 5 to 6, and then we have uh, NAU Men's Basketball taking on Eastern Washington tonight. It's a 5.30 p.m. pregame over on KAZG 1440, followed by a 6 o'clock tip, which can be heard over on KAZG 1440 or right here on KDUS AM 1060. A brief look at what's been going on at the uh, Mexico Open at Vedanta. We have David Lipsky, Henrik Norlander, Cristobal de Solar, all tied for the lead at six under par. It seems like all of our guys that we have going are teeing off in the afternoon wave. Davis Thompson is even through three. Vincent Norman even through three. Joseph Bramlett one under through two. So we'll have to monitor their progress as the afternoon rolls on um i did want to make mention of this we don't spend a whole lot of time talking about hockey but this is pretty cool austin matthews scored his 50th and 51st goals last night in just 54 games that's on pace to set uh, a 77 goals for the season so we'll see if he can reach that mario lemieux reached 50 he's goals. from arizona right correct yes yes yeah yeah Mario Lemieux reached 50 goals in 50 games in 1995 and 1996. So he was just uh, four games over Mario Lemieux's uh, impressive 50 goals in 50 games. Also, 44 years ago today was the miracle on ice when the U.S. team beat the Soviet Union. Yeah, I was actually at a high school basketball game in uh, Glendale. I forgot it was Thunderbird or Glendale High School or Greenway High School watching a conference tournament game in the Skyline Division. And, uh, you know, a lot of people in there that never seen a hockey game in their life, they actually announced during the game on the PA that the U.S. had won. They, like, stopped the game because people <laughs> were going nuts. Like, stopped the game for, like, you know, 30 seconds or whatever. People that have never seen a hockey game in their life are going nuts. I'll never forget that. I think the most impressive part about all of this is you finally get past them. But that was just for the semifinals. And you still go That's on correct. and you win the gold. So you, you you pulled it together to go win the gold against Norway. So that'll do no, it. That's correct. That'll do a lot it. Of people don't remember, a lot of people don't remember that was not even the gold medal AM game. 